This is unfortunately very typical of people today. They start out looking great. They seem to be a believer. They seem to be seeking God. They seem to be growing and learning, but then God doesn't come through for them sometimes. It doesn't come through for them maybe in the way that they had hoped. Maybe something bad happens to them in their life and they begin to blame God for it perhaps and they, begin, they get upset and they begin doubting the very God that they just recently had proclaimed as king of their life. If you could turn up in your Bibles to John chapter 6, please. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I love kids. I love working with kids, and I have a few kids of my own. When I first came as an intern here at this church back in 2011, and uh, 2012 was when I came on staff full-time, and one of my first, uh, I guess you could say the first thing that I did was I, I worked with the children, the, the super church, the, the bus store. We started like the bus store, and we started a, a bus ministry, and worked with lots of kids, and I enjoy it very much. I enjoy the stories they tell and the questions they ask. Sometimes they don't make sense. Sometimes they're off topic completely. Sometimes they're very thought-provoking. Kids are lots of fun. Kids are also fun. Uh, now they're, it's different, though, when you, when you have kids that, you have sort, that you're, you're teaching for an hour or so as opposed to your own children that are with you 24-7 all the time. And it brings even more fun and excitement. Uh, when it's night, when nighttime comes, the evening approaches, the parents know bedtime is coming. And we go to bed every night. I mean, most every night, everybody goes to bed. I know you've some, some of us work late nights and your sleep schedule is all mixed up. But normally speaking, we at least try to go to sleep once a day, right? And especially with children, nighttime's coming, so bedtime is coming as well. At least we know this. We, uh, we finish brushing our teeth. You know, we start the, the night routine. The, the teeth gets brushed. Uh, we read our Bible. We, we pray together. We, we read a, a book, not necessarily all in this order, but we do the, the things that we do for bedtime. And we do this as a, a pattern, you know, so that mentally they know, okay, bedtime's coming. They surely they know that bedtime is next. They're in their jammies, they've taken a bath, they're warm, everything's ready to go. And then we say the words, okay kids, time to, what do I say? Time to go to, got time to go to bed, time to go to sleep. Time to go to sleep, guys. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the joy and the laughter that was once there, the excitement, the smile on their face that was just there two, minutes, two moments ago is now gone. It's gone. They're distraught. <gasps> Already? I didn't see this coming. <laughs> you didn't prepare me enough. I didn't prepare you enough. We, we did everything we normally do every single night. Mom and dad are so excited that you get to go to sleep. Why aren't you excited? They don't share the same enthusiasm that we do. It's, it's interesting. It's almost humorous to watch that progression change so rapidly, so quickly. Even though we go to sleep every night and we have the same routine, the progression can reverse as well. They could go from sad to happy in an instant as well. If a child falls down and scrapes their knee, ah, 
cry, they're crying, they're holding their knee as if their leg fell off and they're bleeding out and they have a second left to live. The last scream of agony comes out and as the parent, we, we, we could see from a distance, uh, it's just a bruise, they're going to be fine. And uh, in their crying, in their fit of rage, you know, you, hey, uh, would you like some ice cream? <gasps> ice cream? Yeah. Oh, sure. It's like, ah, <laughs> you weren't really hurt, were you? Or maybe they were in their mind, they mentally told themselves that this was the end, but they snapped out of it very quickly. This progression changes very rapidly from kids uh, back and forth, off and on. And, and for kids, it can be kind of funny at times when this progression changes. It's not always funny, especially when it progresses when you're in the middle of the grocery store and all of a sudden your kids just don't want to listen anymore. That's not a fun progression that we want to have right there. But you know what? It's not really that funny when it happens to adults. When adults change quickly. We, we look like we're doing one thing, but yet all of a sudden within 24 hours we're doing something completely different. We make a decision for the Lord here, and that decision doesn't, doesn't continue for very long. We, this quick progression, and we actually see this happening right here in John chapter 6. We see people, we see followers of Jesus, people that were following him, change very quickly within a matter of really 24 hours. So we're in John chapter 6, and we're certainly not going to read every verse in this chapter. If you look quickly, the chapter is, it's a few verses long. But we are going to, uh, we're going to progress through this chapter, um, not verse by verse, but more like section by section. And I want us to see here in John chapter 6, look at verse 1. The Bible says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee. Now thanks to Brother Rob and Bruno and these guys we just saw. A little video of the Sea of Galilee there. I should have had you guys' pictures put up as I'm reading these. But I should have thought of it. But uh, maybe next, next year I'll do it. When you guys go next year, okay? So after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover... A feast of the Jews was nigh, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now we know this story, right? I don't need to go detail by detail through the feeding of the 5,000. They need bread. There's 5,000 plus women and children. You know, some say there could be 20,000 people here. I don't know. There's a lot of people on this hillside and they're hungry. They went with Jesus all day. And this little lad comes up and offers his lunch, five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus, the disciples are doubting a bit here, but Jesus begins to break the fish, break the bread, and they pass it out all, all around this multitude of people. And before you know it, everyone is full. They're stuffed. In fact, those 12 baskets left over. It's an amazing miracle. Now, I've skipped down here to verse, uh, let's see here, I think it's verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus, verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, 
he departed again into a mountain himself alone. So what happens here? Here in this fir- these first 15 verses, we see the followers become believers. Or I, I should say believers, and I'll explain why. These followers become apparent believers of Jesus. Because here in verse 14, when they, I mean, the men that, that noticed what happened, I imagine people way in the back probably had no idea that Jesus served them from two, uh, five loaves and two fishes. I, I imagine not everybody probably saw it. They didn't have a big jumbotron, a big projector screen that could show Jesus you know, teaching. But the men that saw it here in verse 14, they said to themselves, this, is, this might be the one that we've been waiting for. This might be him. And they were begun to think these thoughts and talk amongst themselves so much so that Jesus in verse 15 realized, these guys might right here and now take me and become their king. These guys were ready to crown Jesus king right then and there. They were beginning to believe that this guy, Jesus, he's more than just a carpenter. This is someone special. The followers were becoming believers. They appear to be believers. Well, what happens after this story? Verses, 15, or verses 16 through 21, we see Jesus now. He has to kind of get out of there because these people are noticing that Jesus is someone special. And Jesus' time had not yet come for, uh, for this kind of thing to take place. So he and his disciples had to sneak out of there, and they did. They departed into a boat, and they shipped off across the sea towards Capernaum. Also, another, another picture we have of Capernaum. I should have, should have put it up on the screen, but we'll do that next year. Entered into, verse 17, and entered into a ship and went over the sea into, uh, toward Capernaum. And it was now dark. And this is the story where Jesus walks on the water. So he's not with them in the boat yet. He's on the shore while the disciples went out on the sea and the winds began to roar and the, the, wind, the waves began to raise and Jesus walks on the water towards the disciples. And they were scared at first, but eventually they realized, okay, there's only one guy that can do this. It must be Jesus. Jesus gets back on board. Well, while this story is taking place, we go to verse 22. This is still the same, it's a continuation uh, it's the same day here, verse 22, or you, I could say this is the, the, the very next day, just after, while they're on the water there, verse 22, the day following when the people, who's the people here? This is the same people that were at the feeding of the 5,000. It says, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereunto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit there came and other, other boats from Tiberias nigh into the place where they did eat bread. After that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. Say, what happened here? These people waited all night for Jesus to come back. Jesus sort of disappeared from them 
doesn't really say exactly how. It just says he departed into a mountain alone, and the disciples get in a boat and they go off. So they're, they don't really know where they're at, but they're waiting. They're waiting for Jesus, for the disciples to come back. And as far as we can tell, they waited all night. Waited for Jesus. And then when they began to realize, I don't think Jesus is here anymore. We need to go and find him. They got in boats and they began to walk around and they began to search for Jesus until they finally found him. Because look at verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? So we see here these followers become believers. And now we see these followers have turned into searchers. They're searching for Christ. See, at first they began to believe, this is somebody special, maybe he's a prophet, he's something. And Jesus began to perceive some of them wanted to crown him as king. So this progression is going well right now, I would say. They went from believers now to now they're just searching for Christ. They want to find him. They want to be around him. They want to be where he is. That's where they want to be. And even when they finally found him, they said, why did you leave us? Where, where have you been? We've been looking all over for you. Why did you, why'd you run away like that? Do you seek Jesus? Do you seek for him? Do you look for him in places? When you, are, when you wake up in the morning, do you search for Jesus? When you're, bed at, when you're going to bed at night, do you, do you search for him throughout the day? I fear that many Christians, oftentimes, we, we only search for Jesus when we need him. But these disciples, these followers here, they, they stayed up all night. They hired boats, and they went across, and they found Jesus. It wasn't easy for them, but they found him. Do you look for Jesus even at church? Sometimes church can just become church. Especially if kids, kids are, you know, uh, their parents come to church no matter what, so kids kind of come along beside them. But kids and teenagers, young adults and adults, do we come to church searching for Christ? And we say, well, why else would I be here, Pastor Tim? <laughs> I'm at church. Why, why else would you come to church? Well, I fear there's a lot of people that come to church that aren't really looking for Jesus. A lot of people that come to church maybe because it's convenient, because it's duty perhaps, because it makes them feel good, because they, they, have a, they like the fellowship aspect of it, but they're intense of waking up Sunday morning thinking, ah, I'm going to get closer to God today. I can't wait. I can't wait to go to church. And that excitement, that thrill. Oftentimes, perhaps we wake up on Sunday and we think, ooh, it's cold outside. Maybe too cold. Uh, we'll definitely go next week, though, for sure. A little bit of rain. I know I'm speaking to the Sunday night crowd here today. Thank you for being here today. But do you search for Jesus? Do you search for him? These followers went from believers to searching for Jesus. Remember I talked about this quick progression that happens in kids and adults sometimes? Well, something turns here real quick. Things seem to be going pretty well. Verse 25 again. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? 
So now we're expecting Jesus to say, hey, here I am, sir, I just need a little rest there. Let's keep on, let's keep that teaching session going. But Jesus, <laughs> verse 26, answered and said unto them, or answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meats which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give, you, give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. So what happens here? They're all excited. They've been up all night. They finally found Jesus. They're excited. And they say, Jesus, Jesus, where have you been? Where have you been? Where'd you go? And Jesus says, you're not looking for me because of my miracles. You're just looking for me because you're hungry. You're physically hungry. Jesus knew who, their hearts. He knew where they were at. He knew these people. He knew what they were thinking. He knew everything about them. You can't fool Jesus. And his opening statement is, I know why you're really trying to follow me. Now, I imagine back then there was lots of poverty going on. And perhaps all these people, especially seeing this miracle, we know from his first miracle. What was Jesus' first miracle? Do you remember? First one recorded? Scripture where he turned, turned the water into wine, right? And according to the story, when that happened, the, uh, the guy in charge, the master of ceremonies or whatever, when he drank of the, 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 the juice that Jesus made, he said, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. This is the best. I imagine, I imagine that maybe when they were eating this bread too, they thought, I, am, I haven't had bread this good ever. <laughs> this is, I imagine it was really good tasting food. I imagine Jesus was a pretty good chef. The way he broke that bread and divided it. Maybe he just made it even better. I don't know. I'm just speculating here. Well, these people, when they ate this bread and they ate of the fish, wow, they wanted more of it. So much so, they waited all night for Jesus. Jesus here begins to go back and forth with these people. A back and forth conversation for the, for the next, well, almost half the chapter here. It's sort of like this discourse here. And we'll, we'll venture in just a little bit here. Look at verse 28. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Because uh, verse 27, Jesus tells them, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. So they said, okay, well, how do we work the works of God? Jesus, verse 29, says, uh, he said unto them, this is the work of God, that ye, what's those two words? Believe on him whom he hath sent. Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to believe on me. Well, verse 30, they said therefore unto him, Okay, well, what sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? They said, okay, so you're, I, I think they were starting to get it. Okay, so maybe you're trying to say that you're the God. You're, you're, you're the one that Christ said, well, show us a sign. Prove to us you are who you say you are. Hello? <laughs> what just happened the day before? 
The, the miracle, the 5,000, the whole reason they stand up all night, the men there that saw that, who marveled and said, this might be the prophet, this might be the guy here, let's make this guy king. What happened to that faith? Why, why do you need a sign now? It appears that these followers turned to believers who then became searchers, but now all of a sudden it seems like these followers have become doubters. It seems like they're doubting now. We, you, want a, you want a sign from, to, to prove that you, to, to, to believe what you're saying is true? And then they progress. Look in verse 31. You know, our fathers, they, they did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're telling Jesus the story, you know, just refreshing him up on, on his memory of uh, Hebrew history there. In verse 32, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Jesus is saying, oh, that manna that they gave you? Yeah, Moses didn't give you that bread. God gave you that bread. And God can give you eternal bread that will last forever. This sounds similar to, do you remember when Jesus was talking with the woman at the well? The woman at the well. The, uh, the woman thought that he was speaking about physical water. Because Jesus said, I can give you water that will make you thirst, that will, make, that will quench your thirst. You'll, you'll never be thirsty again. She said, well, where is this water? I want this water. Give me this water. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I am the water. I, I can give you this refreshing, everlasting water. He was speaking in spiritual terms. And they, they weren't quite getting it here. Look at verse 34. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. They weren't quite getting it. They weren't quite getting what Jesus was saying. And I think one reason why they weren't quite getting it is because they were beginning to doubt now. Whereas just the night before, the day before, they, their faith was starting to increase, starting to grow. But now that their faith gets challenged, you see, they came for food. And Jesus wasn't going to just give them food. He wasn't performing for them the way that they wanted. And now they were beginning to doubt. Ah, maybe this isn't the guy that we thought he was. Well, give us this bread then, Jesus, they say in verse 34. I love verse 35. Look at verse 35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He, he's not metaphorical anymore. He is, I mean, there is still some metaphor here, but now he's being as clear as he can be. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And this conversation continues for several more verses. And I challenge you to read it, study it in your own time. But what's happening here? These people here, they're, they're starting to, to change. They're starting to question now who God really is. Look in verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread 
which came down from heaven. They're, they're complaining now that he's claiming to be the one sent from heaven. He's claiming to be this, the Messiah. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Do you remember back? Look back in verse 14. Same chapter. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this of a truth, this is of a truth, that prophet which should come into the world. Verse 15, Jesus said they wanted to make me king. Where did, where did that faith go? And now Jesus, now that Jesus isn't giving them the bread that they want, he's not performing the way that they want him to do. They asked Jesus, they were going to ask Jesus to do something and he's not going to do it for them. Now they're a little bit upset and now Jesus says, look, I am the one. I am the one that you were, that you're hoping for. I am that king. I am the bread of life. Oh, wait a minute now. We, we know your parents. Mary and Joseph's kid. Uh, maybe, maybe you're not. How can you be from heaven? We, we, we know your parents. Yeah, you know, maybe you're not this prophet we, we thought you were. And the doubting continues. Back and forth. This is unfortunately very typical of people today. They start out looking great. They seem to be a believer. They seem to be seeking God. They seem to be growing and, and learning. But then God doesn't come through for them sometimes doesn't come through for them maybe in the way that they had hoped. Maybe something bad happens to them in their life and they begin to blame God for it perhaps and they, begin, they get upset and they begin doubting the very God that they just recently had proclaimed as king of their life. Now truth is, many times these people perhaps were never truly saved in the first place. Maybe they had started to come to Christ and uh, for, for different reasons, for wrong reasons perhaps. Now I'm not saying that if you've ever had doubts in your life, if you've ever had moments where you question God, that, that if you had those thoughts that you're, you're not saved. And I'm not saying that at all. Because even sometimes Christians who've been saved for decades and decades can go through seasons of doubt, seasons of discouragement when bad things happen to us and we begin to say, God, why did you do that? And, and I'm not saying if you have those thoughts, you're not saved. But in this case, in these people's hearts and lives, they weren't following Christ because they wanted, because they thought he was the Christ. They followed him because of what he, they thought they could get from him. Some extra blessing, perhaps. If they follow him around, they could get their bellies filled. They were seeking Christ. They were seeking God for the wrong reasons. They wanted God because of what they thought they might get in return. But they never cared about what God wanted in their life. God was wanting to give them eternal life. God, Christ was sitting there and he, he loved these people so much, he didn't want them to follow him for his miracles. That's why he cut them off and said, No, you guys seek me for bread, but I'm so much greater than just bread. I am the bread of life. Unfortunately, it continues. Look at verse 43. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
It is written in the prophets, and they shall all and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned the Father cometh unto me. Jesus continues. Look at verse forty-eight. He says it again. I am the bread of life. Look at verse fifty-one. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. He's, he wants these people to understand and realize, I am the true king. I am, I can give you, I can satisfy you so much, further, so much greater than physical bread can. But then, in verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, now this is not talking about the twelve, but disciples, these are just another name for followers, those people that were with him. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. But this is the verse. Look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. He heard people 24 hours ago went from followers to believers and quickly went from believers to searchers. But then they changed from searchers to doubters. And now we see they go from doubters do deserters. Now they're completely deserting Christ. Within 24 hours, they went from believing on Him to completely deserting Him. Wow. What a progression. Ironically, too, it's in John, this is just convenience, or, uh, this is just, uh, just for fun, but John 6, 6, 6 is when they walk no more with Jesus. They deserted Him. That's just coincidence. But from that time, his disciples went back and walked no more with him. What a progression. What a quick progression. This is one reason why as well, here at our church and uh, many churches as well, we don't rush people into salvation. We don't, we don't, we don't uh, oh, you, you believe in Jesus? Great. Quick, say this prayer and then now you're saved. All right, great. Let's, let's get you into membership. Let's get you baptized. We, we want to take time because... Faith in Jesus Christ, true belief, it could happen to any one of us in a moment. But sometimes that fruit takes some time. We want to make sure that salvation is real, it's sunk into your heart and life. And that's oftentimes why we don't rush people to get baptized and to become members. We want to make sure the Spirit of God is truly working in your heart and in your life. And it seems kind of like a depressing chapter. It started out so well with the feeding of the 5,000, all these people coming to Christ and and believe me, and I, when I say these followers, I believe that there were still many people that believed on Jesus this day. But there was a group of people that followed, that stayed up all night, and there was a group of people here that 
Well, it says in verse 66 that many of his disciples went back. So not all of them, but a good portion deserted Christ. But you know, it doesn't end completely discouraging. Because soon as those that didn't believe left, in verse 67, Jesus now turns to his 12 disciples. In verse 67, he turns and says, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Jesus is heartbroken. He just lost, I don't know how many people that just deserted him. And Jesus looks to his twelve, and now he's giving them a chance. And says, Will you also leave me? Will you desert me as well? This is where you love Peter. Peter had his faults. He, he, he messed up a few times. But Peter right here, he stands up. And I, I wasn't there. I don't know how it took place. But I imagine Peter being the guy that didn't even flinch. Jesus, as his disciples were there, they watched the multitudes just walk away from Christ. Perhaps there was silence for a time. And then Jesus turns around, looks at his disciples and says, you going to follow him? Are you going to leave me too? And Peter doesn't even blink. This is just how I see it. He stands up. Verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art, the Christ, that, thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Nobody else spoke here. Because I think when Peter stood up and said that, the rest of the guys said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what he said. Very well put, Peter. I agree with you. Peter says, Lord, you are the one. We believe that thou art the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You have the words of eternal life. He was using these words, eternal and life, in reference, I believe, to what Jesus was just talking about. He is the eternal bread. He is the everlasting bread, the life. Peter was saying, I get it, Lord, and I believe. And after all this progression from belief to being a searcher to doubting to deserting, the disciples through it all remained faithful. They remained faithful. Oh, the disciples were going to go through some tough times. In fact, these last two verses here talk about Judas and how even one of the twelve was going to betray him. And the disciples were going to go up and down, but boy, in the end, they would come out as gold. So what's this message really about? Why do we seek Christ? And be careful of the rapid progression of, of the false believer. Be careful of even just our own hearts and lives, even as believers, how we can quickly, in a sense, turn on God, where he blesses our life and then something bad happens and all of a sudden now we get overwhelmed and we... We start to, to lash out and even get angry and blame God. Just be careful and remember who God really is. God is up in heaven. He sees it all. He's looking out for us. And in the end, let's be like the disciples. Let's remain faithful to God and His Word. Because sometimes even true believers can go through seasons of doubt and temptations from the devil. But the very reason that you came to God in the first place was it for the things he can give you? 
Or did you, come to, did you come to Jesus to reap blessings? Or did you come to Jesus because He was your Savior? He was your Lord. He was your King. And you realize in this moment, God, I need you. I need you in my life. Lord, you are the one true God, and I believe you. And I want you in my life. In Sunday school today, we learned about a young lady named Ruth who had a choice at the beginning, at the beginning of the story to leave Naomi and to go back to her gods and to go back to her family or stay with Naomi and possibly never have a family again, really go to a completely unknown future, but be with Naomi and be with her God. And the Bible specifically says that Ruth chose to follow Naomi and to follow God, Jehovah God. She didn't want her old ways anymore. She didn't want her old gods. When she found God, she wanted God, and she wanted to stay where God was. And she felt the best way to stay near God was not with her family that didn't love God, but to stay with Naomi, who followed God. She wanted to be where God was. So remember the day that you came to Christ, the first time you, you sought Him. Remember that day. And live like that day every day. Seek Him with your hearts and seek Him with your life. Search your heart and ask yourself, why do I seek Jesus? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.